Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Welcome back to Oz Business Australia's only live streaming business and markets channel. Great to have your company just gone midday Australian Eastern Standard Time. That means it's time for the call. 10 stocks suggested by you. We put them to uh, two experts all in 16 minutes or so. And today, one of my favourite panels uh, because they're so informed but so very different in a nice sort of way. Uh, not different in weird, but their characters are different. You know what I mean. Uh, Rudy Philippek Van Dyke from FN Arena. I'm happy to be the weirdo. <laughs> you have been ever since I've known you, Rudy. Um, and also Claude Walker from A Rich Life. Claude, how are you, mate? Have you had a good week? Uh, yeah, it's been a nice week for me. I had my birthday in it, so I took a couple oh, of days off. So happy birthday. Now. So before we get into your 10 stocks, uh, I always choose one for the day, a stock of the day that's in the news. And I was fascinated with a stock called Aerometics, um, an aerial mapping company. Um, it was speaking at a big investment conference yesterday, uh, forecasting its revenue to increase 30 to 40% in financial year 2021 uh, to between 33 and $35 million. Its managing director, Mark Jutero, uh, um, is boasting that his company has a superior 3D mapping product to its near rival uh, or its rival near map. He says that uh, we also have uh, stands of light detection and ranging capability uh, that something near map doesn't have at this point. And uh, Claude, of course, uh, near map has been a bit of a, a market darling over uh, the last year or two. It's been a bit volatile and... Uh, Here's a, uh, another competitor really throwing down the gauntlet. What, what do you think of Aeromedics? Well, it, it absolutely is throwing down the gauntlet with those recent comments. I think they were reported in the newspaper as well. And I can see why they're doing that because uh, Neomap has a much larger market capitalization and it has a lot more revenue as well. And over the years, especially the last couple of years, as you mentioned, Nearmap has achieved some pretty lofty valuations of its revenue without really having sustainably made a profit. So my guess is by um, you know throwing down the gauntlet this way, Aerometrics is trying to get the market to give it a valuation that's, I guess, closer to Nearmap's. However, uh, the thing to remember is almost all of Nearmap's uh, revenue is basically subscription revenue. Whereas most of Aerometrics is more just on-demand revenue. Now, I think a lot of that is fairly reliable and uh, you can see they've actually increased uh, overall revenue year on year. But at the same time, it's not necessarily as recurring as Neomap's revenue. And the part that they're trying to sell on subscription, Metromap, is only a very small part of their revenue and they're forecasting up to 2 million in FY2020. Now, to put that in perspective, Neomap did, I think, around almost 30 million in revenue from Australia alone. So Aerometrics is still a much smaller company at this stage. If they really are have such a competitive offering, 
I would expect to see uh, that revenue grow quite quickly. And if it does, I think the shares will probably follow suit. There was some truth to that story, but, 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 but it's not that quite that black and white. Uh, and I'm saying that because I actually had the opportunity a while ago to, to uh, ask questions to some of the customers of both companies. Right. And it's not necessarily that black and white that you, you do not necessarily need the higher product of aeromatics, but everything that Claude just said applies. Um, um, Nearmap is a market leader, is trying to um, obviously get, get their customers uh, glued to them, yep. and giving them special offers now because they don't want their customers just to walk away to a competitor. But Aeromatics is quite a small company at this point in time. And, and um, I, I'm, I'm, I would almost advocate that you follow it from the sidelines because one is gonna, gonna going to defend their turf and the other yep. one is going to make inroads. Um, I think the, the big problem, so to speak, for, for uh, Nearmap has been um, the, 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 um, going into the US. Okay. And that hasn't that hasn't gone uh, smoothly. Right. Um, um, shouldn't forget that they are not profitable near map, and they had to rein in their expenses. Yeah. That's why the share price tanked the, the way it did. They also now have built up a track record of quite a number of times disappointing the market. Uh, pretty much every time they updated the market in 2019, I would say. Um, I have been a shareholder the past for a brief period of time. Um, Again, it's, it's one of those companies that had a lot of potential, a lot of promise, not profitable yet, and share yeah. price can fall very deeply in, in, yeah. in, in terms of, of disappointment. For that reason, I, I, would, I would warn investors for the risks that are there, right. in particular because Aeromatics is really a small company. Right. Okay. <clears throat> yes, they are the challenger now. They're probably going to make some inroads. Uh, they will predominantly uh, focus their activities in Australia. But see, I would assume that most of the customers are under that um, essential services label in Australia. Right. But I'm still not sure whether there will, will be not, no impact from, from the lockdowns and et cetera. So I would prefer to sit from the sidelines and just right. see them mature a little bit more. Yep. But if you want to make a choice in that so sector, I would go for aerometrics. Ah, okay, all right. But uh, overall watch, yes. if you put it on your watch, watch list, uh, learn exactly. a bit more. Yeah. All right, that's our stock of the day. Let's get into uh, the stocks you want us to take a look at and Malika has asked uh, Rudy for an opinion on NextDC, the big data centre operator founded by Bevan Slattery, um, was named by Deloitte as Australia's fastest growing technology company in 2015 and uh, has done pretty well on the markets. What do you think of <coughs> NextDC? Okay. Uh, first disclosure, I, I bought NextDC, I believe, around $3. Right. Don't look at the share price now. <laughs> yes, I'm happy. Um, <laughs> oh, come on, let's look at the share price now. Let's bring the chart up just so you can Glow. sort of show off. $3 to $11.89, okay. And I still own them, right? Right. Um, but I do take offense with the fact that people put them under the, the technology label. Right. Um, I think ASX is obviously doing it for a very good reason. They have a technology index to market. Right. But I think people should put this in the same label as, as the MBN, as Sydney Airport, oh. Transurban. This is infrastructure. So infrastructure plug. The yeah. only reason why it's put on technology is because it's upcoming, it's not profitable, yeah. it has a high multiple. And people but think- ne next DC would want to be classed as a technology. Yeah, business, no, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Right. Right. But I think as an investor, instead of getting bogged down into the share price, you, you, you pick a story where you see, you see the growth going mm. on for years and years and years. And I thought yeah. very sim simplistically, Listen, the company has a very good reputation already back then. Yep. The CEO is, is highly regarded. 
if, if he does everything correctly and, and the business is, is, is well run, doesn't, doesn't mean they can't make mistakes and they have made some mistakes, but yeah. the wave, the, the, the flood of demand coming towards that sector is so large yeah. that you almost have to have a special talent to basically do, do that wrong. <laughs> to right? muck it up. Yes, yeah. exactly. <laughs> right? And so they haven't. See, last time we spoke about next, I, I took some profits, right. but I don't do it in a clawed way. Like, yeah. I don't sell all my shares, and then, then, I, then I, I'm very unhappy at home because share price keeps rallying. Yeah. I sell some shares, and if at some point there's a NASDAQ uh, sell down or the share market gets a little bit of conniptions, I can just add a little bit more at a lower price. Right. Yeah? But that's... But I'm staying on board, and I'm staying on board for the longer term. Staying on board and would be a buy and a pullback. Yes. Okay. Claude? I think Rudy makes some uh, good points there. Uh, so, I, first of all, I do agree that this is pretty expensive. So, I agree everything you said about it being more of an infrastructure play than anything else. Um, and it is trading on a massive, I think, more than 50 times underlying EBITDA. So, to me, even I haven't completely... Uh, gotten rid of valuation as part of my repertoire even in this bullish market so for me it's just too expensive to buy shares having said that um i definitely don't recommend doing what i have done a number of times during this most recent bull market which is just sell out all of my shares in a company because i think it's very expensive and then of course watch it keep going up so next dc does have some really good qualities that people are looking for these days and one of those is that you know they have resilient revenues a long growth pathway we're only going to be using data centers more and more. So because of that, it can create, it can attract a premium in the market. So whilst it's too expensive for me to be buying, and I personally think it's probably overvalued, I, I wouldn't go out there and say people should sell high quality companies that are growing too quickly because these things can keep on going up for quite a long time, especially um, when you see like fund managers tend to pile into what's working, what's going up. And I think we've got a little bit of that sociological dynamic going on with NextDC now. And of course, you know, as, as Rudy says, it is a good management team and they've done great over the last few years. I never actually spotted it like he did. I should have got on board that years ago and I didn't. So a general agreement there, but just a note of caution on this price looks really high to me, right. but still it's a good company. So what? what's a fair price? Oh, well, I think what, that the reason... I, I could go very ridiculous and say like, you buy it at $5, but you right. know what? The share price is not going to get there. Yeah? Right. So you okay. just have to be flexible on these things and you just have to... Maybe you, to maybe you go in bits and pieces, for example. Yep. You don't go all in. Yep. Uh, it's, it's essentially what the market... The opportunity the market gives you. Yeah? Yep. And, and yep. The market being what it is, is, it will give you a cheaper, cheaper price at some point. Yeah. Claude? We... we we did have the share purchase plan at $7.80, I think, not long ago in April, which was probably not the ideal uh, time to raise capital for them. But they did, and, and they sold a lot of shares at that price. So I would be surprised if it gets down that low um, in the near term, basically. So probably something above that might might be a reasonable buy price right. if you did want to get on board. Okay. All right. Uh, Claude Stephen uh, wants a view on, on Brickworks, which, um, yeah, the name uh, implies they, they do make bricks, but uh, there's a lot more in that business than, than just bricks and quarries, isn't it? They get into property development, they've got a few investments in there. Yeah, well, exactly. They are really best thought of as a conglomerate. They have a cross shareholding with Washington H. Sol Pattinson. I think they own 39 to 40% of that other company. So through that, they have a interest in a vast degree, uh, a vast array of different companies. So they really are a conglomerate. However, the main reason I guess you'd buy Brickworks instead of Washington 8 or Pattinson is indeed the actual building products. 
division. So they have large building products business in Australia, and they also have a growing one in North America. So yeah, they're, they're basically a building company. And as such, they will be more cyclical than many uh, of the sort of quality companies that uh, Rudy and I tend to invest in, but that's smoothed out by the fact they're a conglomerate and they, they pay dividends. They've got a long history of basically growing the business over time. So for a really long-term buy and hold, I think it makes a lot of sense. Uh, I wouldn't really try to make any sort of short-term guesses about uh, how they're going to go because you know, one year you might have a better Brickworks performance and then the next year worse, it goes up and down. I guess it's the long-term trajectory that matters. I think this is a decent... I guess, you know, baby boomer dividend stock to buy if that's what you're looking for. But for me, it's not really exciting enough for my portfolio. Okay, all right. Don't you Put you like down it. as a baby boomer dividend performer. Exactly. Baby right. boomer dividend okay. performer. Okay. <laughs> uh, really? uh, if, you if you take a long-term view, you'll find the share price can be extremely volatile. And that basically um, shows you the, the cyclicality in, in, in Breakworks. And that's the reason why I basically, I, 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 I don't like these, these shares. I mean, uh, in Wall Street terms, they are the girls that you date, but you never marry them. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and that's basically how I, how I regard this talk. So uh, I think the outlook for, um, uh, for construction in Australia is, is quite blurred at the moment. Not quite sure that we will, we, we're almost by definition going to have an oversupply in, in apartments. And that has been proven the big driver yeah. in that sector over yeah. the past few yeah. years. Um, I know that these guys, moved into the United States, um, but under the current administration now, they're doing with the pandemic. I'm not so sure of that either. So for me, it's, it's too blurred, uh, too cyclical. Um, I, I, I date other girls. Right, okay. <laughs> well, um, um, uh, from Kenny, uh, would you be dating Ainsworth Gaming Technology? <laughs> is, it, is, it, is that... Is that more your type of I, uh, I would, romance. I would have to be extremely uh, desperate. Maybe, <laughs> on, maybe on an island, and I can't escape. And there's only <laughs> only gains, only Ainsworth is there. I might consider it, but yeah. no. Um, usually, when I, when someone uses the term like dog in the share market, everyone thinks about AMP. Yeah. I think Ainsworth is worth it as well. Right? Yeah. It's. Um, now, why? Because it My was goodness. the Ainsworths behind yes. aristocrats. Yes. And you would you yes. would think, okay, is if if, any, if, if anyone wants to dig into that story, that is quite an extraordinary story. How yeah. the, the founder of, of of aristocrat actually was basically deposed by his own family and then yes. had to go for an alternative uh, company. He did well in the early years, but ultimately the the market power of the existing incumbents, including aristocrat, has been yeah. proven way too too powerful. Yeah. And, and they don't have enough money. They um, basically sold themselves to, to an Austrian company. And now I'm gonna be very, very simplistic. Why, if I'm the Austrian company, I have control now over Ainsworth. Why am I keeping this company on the share market? Yeah. Probably because for two reasons, either I can buy back the rest of the shares at a cheaper price at some stage, yeah. or I'm thinking in the back of my mind, I will have to raise capital at some stage. I need to, I need to keep this, this, this listing going. That's the only reason why, why you would keep the right. listing, I, th I think. Yeah. So um, in very simplistic terms, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a strong believer in, in quality. Yeah. And if you weigh up aristocrat against Ainsworth, there's not even yeah. a contest there. Claude? Yeah, I agree with all of that. I guess I'd also add that these guys have a, a 
five-year history almost now of reducing earnings per share. And in the most recent report, they said, you know, we're in challenging markets against strong competition. Now, that is actually before COVID hit. And as you can imagine, COVID's had a negative uh, impact on a lot of their customers who are the kind of people that, you know, have casinos and uh, basically try and get people to use these gaming machines and put away their life savings. So as a result of that, public health initiatives closing down a lot of these casino kind of customers, they'll be less keen on doing big capital expenditure and investing heavily and buying more machines and newer machines and all that sort of thing. So you've got a long-term headwind that, that looks ugly, as you can see on that chart. And then you've got a short-term thing that's even worse. It's almost like bad on top of bad. And you know that's before we even get into the discussion about whether regulation might one day uh, start putting limits on the number of pokies societies want around. So for me, it would be a strong avoid. Claude, uh, Richie uh, would like an opinion on Phineas Corporation. This is a Another of those uh, software platforms, isn't it? Um, this one targeted the life accident and health insurance industry, a, an administration platform for them. Yeah, that's right. I'm really glad we got this question because this is actually the kind of company I've been looking at for a couple of years now. It didn't list that long ago and it's an Irish company, but it's actually been in business since 1993 and has launched its sort of flagship product in 2003. So it's an older software company in the great scheme of things. And what it's been doing, it's it's a story that we see a lot now actually, is transitioning from on-premise model to the cloud-based um, software as a service model. And what can happen here, I should note here, I actually do own shares in this, and we've covered this on a rich life uh, only for supporters, but I'll make that available. I'll make our coverage available to everyone uh, today or tomorrow. But it's a bit old now, but basically we like this one because it's doing this transition. As you transition to software as a service, that can make revenue growth look not as good as it could be. Now, this still does have a lot of services revenue as a legacy is one of these older software companies, which is why I've been cautious of it. And I only own a very small holding, which I only bought recently. And the reason I bought recently is because their most most recent quarterly results looked good to me. Uh, they're, cash, they're like strongly cash flow positive now. Basically, they're in a good position. And um, they're still growing. They're bringing in the money in the door. And I basically just think that this is probably actually a higher quality business than I thought when I saw the most mm. recent quarterly uh, cash receipts are over $42 million in Australian dollars. They actually report in euros. So just something to remember there. But I think that as a result of um, them being listed and reporting for a while, they'll start to get a reputation of perhaps being like a decent quality software company. More people will take note. You'll have that sort of sociological thing where it's sort of a winner now. Um, you're going to see more and more little fundies being interested in it. They like the story. It's got very resilient revenues. Um, and it's still, and it's modernizing itself uh, to be a more attractive business for the sort of software as a service investor. So I could see a situation where it becomes a, a popular stock amongst um, fundies and starts getting in indices. And we go through that whole sociological progress where you get this valuation uplift. As, and as long as they keep growing and they keep that growth narrative, I think we could see a higher share price there. Mm. Again, it is an old mm. software company, which is my main source of concern. Sometimes when you have a, a software company that's been in business for so long, some of their software can have what we call tech debt, which is like it's written in older languages, which I I'm pretty sure these guys have some of that. And that can be very expensive to renew that and rebuild it for a cloud model. So that could be in the wings in, in a couple of years where suddenly they have to do this big refresh. So right. that's the risk I, I consider for these guys. <clears throat> okay, but, but you like it. Before I go to Rudy, I've got to ask, is it a new technology one? 
Um, I don't. I don't think it. It is. It's much more niche than that. Um, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a big company and it's global though, so it's got some things in common with uh, technology one there. All right. Okay. Technology one for regular uh, viewers would know is. Uh, uh, Rudy is the, the biggest fanboy for uh, Technology One. So everyone, anything in technology has got to pass the Technology One sort of benchmark. Benchmark. Yes, yeah, Rudy. That's true. What I mean, do you think it fits? I, um, I mean, there must be great minds at the show today because uh, Claude and I are constantly on the same on the same uh, oh. uh, song sheet here. Um, one of the analysts who who has been covering uh, Finio since since listing uh, this week remarked, or maybe last week, but I think recently. Uh, that this has been one of the most impressive IPOs he's seen in his career. Mm. And, and I sort of, even before that, uh, the company did have my intention as well. The company is doing everything right. Yeah. And, uh, usually I would say, um, you, you just wait a little bit. Like for example, next you see, I didn't buy them immediately when they're listed. Yeah. You wait a little bit to see what, 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 what the actions are and the operations and the communication with the market and stuff like that. I have to agree, this company has done pretty much everything right uh, since listing. Uh, probably the thing that is uh, making them attractive is they are they are getting new customers. Yep. I mean, and they, I think they're up to nine now since listing. Um, those customers are going to be sticky. Yeah. Uh, they're obviously making the inroads. They're, they're making the promise uh, uh, descending to the bottom line. So I would actually think that people shouldn't wait too long here. I'm, I'm with Claude. This could right. be one of those emerging very successful stories and, right. and you want to be on board basically. Okay, all right. Richie, uh, good suggestion and uh, good opinions from both Claude and Rudy there on, on Phineos Corporation. So do a bit more work into them, get to understand them. Um, Rudy, Ashley wants a view on Cochlear, the, uh, one of our, our great med tech Absolutely. stories, Bionic here. Absolutely. Yep. I mean, we, 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 we tend to always underestimate how much technology Australia has to offer. Yeah. This is technology. This yep. is uh, a global edge. Global. Exactly. Yep. Um, there are not many stories on the share market where you could say, like, every time there's a, there's a share price weakness that you should basically buy. Yep. Uh, I think Cochlear is one of those stocks. Okay. I mean, you, every time they go through a period, and history shows you that, every time they go through a period when they're lagging the share market, they're not doing much, uh, that's basically a time, just like CSL, ResMed, and, and, and a few other ones. Okay, so um, ResMed's reported this morning and <coughs> gone down. So buy. Buy. So, <laughs> so that's, a, that's a classic example of what you're exactly. saying with these exactly. three sort of leading stocks. Exactly. Global stocks. CSL is reporting in two weeks' time. If they get yeah. sold off, buy. Right? Yeah. Uh, and I mean, you... Most people have that response with the wrong stocks. Yeah. Right? You don't have that with the AMP, for example, or you don't have that with, with an Isentia. But you do have that with those stocks because yeah. if you take a longer-term view, the longer-term view still is from, from left at the bottom to right at the top. Yeah. And yes, there's now a little bit of a period you can see where, where that isn't the case. Yeah. Well, history shows you that, that that's an ideal platform for, for further income. Right. What, what supports Cochlear is at the moment what is keeping the share price down is that we are uncertain as a community of investors how the lockdowns and, and, and the, basically yeah. the access to hospitals and all that, how yeah. is that going to impact? It might well depress their numbers short term. Because yeah. it's, it's an elective surgery exactly, issue. Exactly. Like, but yeah. once it opens up again, then the, the general, and I've seen analysts making the calculations already, their competitors are struggling more. So sure. basically, it's, it's again that the tail of the strongest will become stronger. Yeah. Yeah. So if you believe in that tail, Cochlear will become stronger in the years ahead. Yeah. Um, uh, Claude, 
Yeah, wise words from Rudy there. This isn't one I have in my portfolio at the moment. It's in the long pile of quality companies that I sold too soon. Try to be too cute on that one. And I remember there was many years ago when they did, they did a recall and that's when it dropped quite a lot. That was the perfect time to buy. And what I'm thinking with Cochlear is that if we see the short-term bad numbers as a result of many, many thousands of delayed elective surgeries around the world, then that could be the perfect opportunity to buy in, especially if it uh, gets down to anywhere near that cap raising price that they did, I think, when the pandemic just hit. Now, I actually can't remember that price off the top of my head, but it's still above that price now. And I think that I'd be very surprised, given the strong demand, even in peak panic, for shares at that price, which I think was around 135, maybe around, around about there. Um, I think that uh, it won't go lower than that. So. For me, I'd probably looking at this to add it to my portfolio at around 150. Uh, now, it's only taking the long-term view, and that would be a smaller position for me. I'm not super excited. I don't think this is going to be a 10-bagger for me in the short term. I have probably ideas I'm more excited about. But if we see some of these high-quality healthcare companies in Australia that have valuable IP that has created so much value over decades and will create value for decades more, then I'm going to take the opportunity to add Cochlear to my portfolio just as i did with resmed um in the previous sell-off and i definitely see a long-term buy and hold spot for that in my portfolio and i don't mm. own it yet but I, I hope to yeah rudy will get down to 150 do you think i very much doubt it to be honest right that would be extremely cheap right. uh, i mean it's a share market nothing is impossible but i wouldn't yeah. i would if i were a betting man i wouldn't bet against that right, right? It's the same people say, like, I'd like to buy a CSL at $200 or $250 or whatever. I can say, good luck. Yeah. yeah <laughs> good yeah. luck with that one. Right? Yeah, yeah. We all yeah. want to buy a CSL at $20 now. Yeah. Right? yeah. But it won't get there. <laughs> right. I don't think it will. Okay. So are you saying at this price on any sort of yes, pullback yeah. after the earnings yeah. come out? I would even say at this price, to be honest. Right. Okay. All right. Um, that's our first five stocks. Let's just do a bit of uh, a recap. Uh, Aerometrics was our uh, stock of the day. Um, a no from uh, Claude, but Rudy is saying keep it on your radar to, to watch out for it. Uh, Next DC, um, good company, good business. Rudy would buy it on uh, on a pullback and owns it now. It's taken profits, but uh, would would add back to the holding. Um, and uh, Claude is saying. Um, a good watch, good company as well. A bit too expensive at this price. Uh, Brickworks, um, not really buyers and sells on this one. Um, from Claude, it was a baby boomers dividend play. So if you fall into that category, yes. Um, for Rudy, it is one of those stocks that you uh, happy to date but never marry. So basically... <laughs> I think that's a no in terms of brickworks. Uh, with Ainsworth, it was a no from both of them. Look, uh, Aristocrat is the leading player in, in that sector. You just stick with the best. And um, really big raps on Phineos uh, from both Rudy and also Claude. Claude is going to, in the next couple of days, put up an analysis of Phineos on A Rich Life. So go watch out for that, A Rich Life com.au uh, for any more information but um, uh, good wraps from both Claude and Rudy on Finneos going forward. Uh, Cochlear, uh, one of the, the great Australian medtech uh, companies, um, uh, Rudy likes it at this price, even happier on a pullback. 
Um, uh, Claude likes it, wish he'd got in and we'll get in at $150 and uh, according to Rudy, um, you're dreaming if you think you're going to get in on that price, but, but a great Australian company. All right, let's go to the second half of, uh, of your 10 stocks and, and Claude, Jim wants a, a view on Respiri which is, uh, they have a product called Weezo, which is uh, an asthma personal assistant. Um, and in that medication, you log on how you're breathing, feel symptoms and, and triggers medication usage for it. It's, uh, um, it's, it's an interesting company, an interesting product in obviously a, a, a really big market. Yeah, so this is one that I've actually looked at over quite a few years. It used to be called Isonia. I had a similar kind of product and now you know this it's somewhat five years later and they still haven't got any revenues they've changed the name of the product they've they've changed the name of the company but it's still trying to dis- do this sort of asthma monitoring um stuff uh, i'm actually a very serious asthmatic and have been my entire life so this uh company kind of annoys me a little bit because i feel like it doesn't actually solve any problem any major problem for asthmatics so um, diagnosis and monitoring of asthma is something that tends to happen for a short phase in your life as an asthmatic and then you go into the management phase of that and you don't really the, the biggest burden in managing asthma is just the amount of time you need to do on it um, and the different things you need to do to stay healthy and breathing clearly and I don't feel like having a new device where you record all your breathing and, and basically have a whole new burden in the treatment of yourself actually improves the quality of life of many asthmatics. Now, there may be some, especially, say, children, and the parents want to record them and, and, and have a detailed understanding of what causes them to wheeze and all that sort of stuff. I can understand that, and there may well be a niche there, but I don't think that it's going to be a big help for many asthmatics, and I think it's the kind of thing okay. that maybe maybe certain people want it, but I think the actual market for people that will use it and let alone pay a subscription revenue that costs as much as your sort of Ventolin per month um, for it, I think it's probably a lot smaller than people believe. And I think we've seen a strong share price rise. You know, they've given um, this revenue guidance of six to eight million. Well, the last quarter was zero receipts from customers and they're forecasting this massive increase in this in this calendar year, um, 2021. I just think it's unlikely. And I, and I look back at the forecast they made five years ago as Isonia you know, predicting aggressive sales growth that just didn't happen, and I'm very sceptical. Okay. All right. Ready? Yeah, they had some positive news to sell recently, but it, you have to take into account it comes from a very, very low base. Yeah. So, I mean, if you're not making money and then all of a sudden you are, it's like it's like a big improvement. What caught my attention is they, they made a big song and dance about having a, an agreement with, I think it was a Zip that you can now buy their product and, and pay in installments. Oh. And they're expecting a, a big boost from that. But then you look at the fact that their product only costs $299. Yeah. And you go like, really? Is that, is, that, is that such a price level where having to pay it in once instead of in, in, yeah. in uh, yeah. smaller pieces that you are expecting a big boost? I mean, I'm, I'm, with, I'm with Claude on this one. I mean. Um, there's a whole graveyard out there of, of, of investors jumping on these small cap stories and you look back six, six months later and, and 80% of your money is gone, yep. uh, which is very easy done in this, this, this type of company because it's only cents anyway. Yeah. Um, so I would, be, I would treat it with, with a lot of caution, to be honest. And um, 
Um, I'm, I'm with Claude on this one. It's sustainability, I'm not so sure. Okay. Um, the product doesn't seem, and, and, and the business has been around for quite a while. I mean, it has taken them a long while to get to, get to this point now. Yeah. And um, so, Shallow so no. Electro-optic systems, sort of, th this is sort of, if you like, our Star Wars company, uh, technology company. Uh, they say they're in the space and defense markets, focuses on uh, manufacture and sale of telescopes, dome enclosures, laser satellite tracking system, electro-optic uh, fiber uh, control, fire control system. And they've done a deal with, with the Commonwealth government for 251 remote weapons stations that are gonna be apparently put on the Army's Bushmaster and Hawkeye mobility uh, vehicles. So um, to get a government contract like that must be a, a thumbs up, Rudy, is it? From, um, or, or good for their credibility at least? Uh, uh, yeah, but I don't think it, it'll pass the ESG filters because you're basically killing people. Oh, right. that's, that's the, that's the right. ultimate aim of it. Right? Yeah. Um, so I think a lot of investors would put this in the same basket as, as tobacco. Uh, I mean, right. it's, it's what you don't buy, basically. Right. We don't have many stocks of that. We had a few no. companies in the past. Um, um, basically, I think it, for me, it's, it's, um, it's, it's way too obfuscated. Uh, I, I've, I mean, um, those contracts with military, um, in general terms, it always goes to the French, the Americans and the British because they, right. have, they have larger at home military yeah. and the countries like the Belgians and, and, and the Australians, they basically go for the crumbs because they're smaller countries. Yeah. Um, and plus the fact, of course, it is military. Yeah. So I just draw a bow around it and I don't, I hardly look at right. it, to be honest. Okay. So uh, would Austel be in that yeah, category as yeah. well? I, the, I guess the they, 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 they do, they do boats. Yeah. Navy, yes, they frigates do. and yes. things like that. Okay. No, just interested <laughs> yeah, yeah, in yeah, yeah. What it's like, but it does do big contracts with America. Yes, they so. do. Um, Claude, what do you think of electro-optic systems? Well, I'm in the same boat as Rudy there. I have a particular disaffinity with uh, military stocks, so I'm not an expert on this company at all because it's just not one I'd buy personally. Having said that, I did make a few inquiries with people who know the company better than I, and I do tend to agree with them when they say that this is sort of valuable Australian IP that does have a market overseas. It's a value-add thing. Now, we see uh, the market was getting quite excited about that for a while, and there's been a COVID impact, and that has to do with contract delays. So they need to ship foreign uh, product to foreign countries, not just Australians, if they're going to justify their potential and market cap. And because of COVID, they can't travel to send staff around to complete delivery and test ranges are shot and basically i guess it's probably a good thing for the world but um a lot of people are focusing more on COVID and less on uh buying weapons at the moment so uh i do think that for the person that kind of wanted this kind of play then maybe actually it is an interesting time to look at the company however the caveat being is i'm actually not an expert on this because i wouldn't buy it myself uh, just because I can't buy these stocks and hold them. I, I just feel bad and then I'll sell them. It's completely irrational, but that's just me as an investor. I try to stick to the companies that I have an affinity for because they're the ones that I'll hold long term and they'll become massive multi-year compounders when I get it right, which I only do occasionally. But that's what I'm aiming for. So it's out of my wheelhouse, unfortunately. Okay. All right. There you go, Scott. Uh, pretty honest analysis there on electro-optic systems. Um, Claude, Andrew wants a opinion on Intelli HR. Now, 
Now, we talked about Bevan Slattery, foundering NextDC, and sort of the halo effect of that these sort of entrepreneurs can have on a stock. Um, he's also chairman of Megaport and Superloop, and apparently is bought in to IntelliHR, which uh, from the investment community is coming as an investor. Um, ho hopefully the fairy dust that he used on NextDC and uh, Megapore can be sprinkled on IntelliHR. Claude, does, it, does that have a bearing on, on how you view a company, a stock? It doesn't have a massive bearing on how I view it, although I would add that I really hope our viewer actually owned shares in this before he wrote in the question because it's yeah. up 167% today as I'm speaking and it was up even more than that earlier. And uh, basically, I can understand why this has this impact on the market because um, Bevan Slattery has like, got a long history of being able to pick where there's going to be a demand growth trend. And for a lot of these smaller companies, he also made an investment in Pointera not that long ago, which I'd also looked at, and it seemed to be bubbling along, not growing particularly quickly. And then suddenly he, he sort of endorsed it by buying shares, and then the share prices shot up you know, by a similar hundreds of percent. Now he's done it with IntelliHR, but actually I find this one is an interesting company that I wish I had actually uh, looked at more closely more recently before it shot up because essentially it has been growing its uh, annualized recurring revenue. It sells software for um, HR departments essentially. And we have that's a fairly crowded space. Um, even we've got Elmo on the ASX that does that. They're a big US companies. So this is not like a super niche that they dominate. But what they have been able to do is grow organically. And when you see a software company growing organically like this, that can be a tell that it has a good product and the product is selling itself. So maybe that's what Bevan Slattery saw. And the fact that he's seeing potential there probably does make me think, oh, even more so it does have potential. But I try not to let investments by other people have a massive impact on mm -hmm. my thinking because someone can be a great entrepreneur and part of that is occasionally failing. So everyone's taking risk all the time. So I wouldn't necessarily think, oh, I've got to jump in and buy it. I haven't bought it and I don't own it. But I do think at the price he invested, which was 7.5 cents per share, it does actually look pretty decent because that's less than 10 times ARR. But now, of course, the situation's different and it's almost 20 cents per share. Right. Okay. Ready? I, I think we have to take into consideration that uh, Bevan Slater didn't buy in for to cash out next month or next week or next year even. He probably, he probably does this for the longer term. Yeah. Um, it would appear that this company is, is making inroads on their own, that's true, but it is a very small company, has been listed for quite a few years and it hasn't really shot the lights out in the meantime. It would appear now, now that a lot of people are working um, from home, yeah. that that is sort of helping their cause, right. um, but I would, I would treat it with, with a lot of caution. Oh, uh, there you go, Andrew. Hopefully you did buy it seven and a half cents. Uh, Rudy's not buying at 20. Uh, Claude isn't buying at 20, but he will p pay seven and a half cents <laughs> if he can get it That's at right. the same value as Bevan Slattery. So it's uh, going to be an interesting company to watch to see if they deliver on the promises there. Um, Rudy, Jack would like an opinion on Aluka Resources, mm. uh, the mineral sands exploration um, uh, company, uh, yeah. largest producer of zircon and titanium dioxide-derived rutile in the world. Yeah, and for those two products, you wouldn't buy it. Right. But, but, <laughs> but, but you would buy it for iron ore. Right. Uh, these guys often hidden in the book somewhere because uh, 
they have a they have a, a piece of land where basically they they boiled it out to uh, um, to BHP. Yeah. Uh, it's 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 called uh, Max C royalty, right. and uh, they basically get the royalties from BHP. Okay. So they recently decided um, they're not really the share price is not really valued for that because everyone pays attention to uh, to their core products and they're yeah. doing it tough there. Yeah. So they're now gonna divest it. It's gonna be uh, independent, uh, right. and that's probably gonna it's gonna create some value. So yeah. I, I'm, I mean, I, I, I suspect that uh, maybe that's where Dittos come from. Now, nowadays, yes, you, 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 you would own it or you would buy it because of the, the spin-off. Right. And of course, on the, on the expectation that iron ore, I mean, it's $118 at the moment per ton, yeah. uh, stays high. Yeah. Right? <laughs> the obvious uh, risk, of course, is that if you get to a phase at some stage, because it's not going to spin off next month, it's probably going to take a few months from here. Sure. If the iron ore price in the meantime uh, falls, well, then you get less upside. I mean, is that, is that simple? If, yeah. if the iron ore price would crash at some point, you get no upside. So that's the risk you're taking with it. But I think you would, you would buy it for the iron ore here. Oh, you'd say you'd buy, buy a lucre at the, these levels for the iron ore exposure. And, and take the punt. Yep. Because that's what it is. It's, it's a commodity stock. Yep. Claude? The long-term trend that could either benefit or hurt a lucre is their use uh, the use of tiles in building worldwide. So if you wanted to take a long-term view, if you had a prediction about more tiles being used, then they might actually be a beneficiary. And um, I just think that's interesting because when I'm making an investment, I'm always trying to find some long-term tailwind. Now, I don't really have a view on whether there are more or less tiles being used in construction worldwide. But I would sort of generally say that uh, China is obviously got a, a huge amount of construction going on and also china does use a lot of tiles which is you know a point that aluka have made in their own materials so you could argue there should, could be good demand there overall this is probably in my view one of the more um investable mining companies that we have certainly it's producing already it, it makes profits it's got revenue so could be an interesting one to look at if you're looking for mining companies to invest in Overall, for me, the risk with mining companies is too hard for me to predict what their profits are going to be in, in a few years. And also, they always want to build another mine. Um, so th All there's right. a lot of risk there for me. Okay, Jack, there you go. Um, uh, from Rudy, yep, buy it for iron ore. I notice just on iron ore, Bill Potter this morning put out a sell on Fortescue. Um, Again, it's all about what you what you think the, the, the price of iron ore will do. Right? Yeah. It's essentially the long and the short of it. And and constantly, as as you've remarked in the previous shows as well, analysts have constantly questioned the sustainability. And here we yeah. are, one hundred eighteen. Right? Yep, incredible. Um, and um, certainly, uh, Josh Frydenberg hopes it stays yeah. at that level because. <laughs> In the federal budget, he's factored in fifty-five dollars yes, a ton. No, we're double now. Yeah, yeah. Double. So it's really good news for the federal budget going forward. Everyone's concerned about how we're going to rebuild the federal budget uh, after the economic stimulus from the COVID pandemic. Well, it will be on the back of iron ore at this stage. It's extraordinary. If only the Chinese could find the stuff elsewhere. Yeah. <laughs> They're hoping, but they can't. Yeah, no, they can't. Um, all right. Um, our final opinion comes from Lachlan. And uh, Claude, Lachlan wants a, um, uh, a view on Wilson Asset Management uh, Microcap, the WAM Microcap, basically a listed investment vehicle that specialises in investing in companies with a capitalisation of less than $300 million. Um, What do you think? Well, there, I guess there are two parts of my analysis of WAM microcap. One is the idea of listed investment companies generally. 
and uh, that I don't like because that means that you're uh, reliant on somebody else wanting to buy those units off you and they won't necessarily always trade at what they're worth and and for that matter uh, these this WAM microcap and in fact a lot of that stable the Wilson stable tend to trade often at a premium sometimes to uh, the actual net asset, asset value and that means that there's downside for someone who buys shares now should uh, the share price just simply go back to um, net asset value basically so I would be careful for that for that reason but uh, then of the stable this microcap fund I actually really like a lot of the holdings they have they have Phineos which we've talked about today they've had they've had objective which I've talked about before is one of my favorite stocks and also they've got uh, some other companies that I've been in and out of during this uh, this sort of pandemic period, uh, such as Redbubble, Marley Spoon, Temple, and Webster. So I think they're actually pretty well positioned right now. I admire their stock picking. They do a good job. I guess for me, the interest in WAM microcap is more just to look at what they're holding, their good stock pickers, and and see if maybe I've got any ideas that I can that I can steal off them, um, rather than go for the <laughs> overall thing where I invest in their actual fund. Okay. All right, Rudy? I, I come from a different angle. Um, I, I look at the, the, the stuff we, we would like to do and, and that we have to realize that we can't. Right? Yeah. Like every time I, I turn up for an 18-hole uh, golf round, I, I'm thinking like I'm going to be as good as, uh, as the best in the world and every time I notice I'm not. Yeah. Um, I think these guys are specialized in, in, in really small cap stocks. I actually think for most retail investors, that's a territory they shouldn't venture into because right. they're most more likely to lose money than not. But if you want to move in there, then this is actually a very good avenue to do it yep. because you're just relying on the experts. That it's their territory. They're spending 24 hours a day on, on those particular stocks, when to move in, when to move out. And their track record shows they're actually doing, doing quite a good job at it. Yep. I mean, their recent update was actually quite good. Yep. So I think if you come from that angle, and, and obviously, you don't put all your money in there. You, you have to diversify. But this could be part of your portfolio where you go like, mm. I like the prospects okay. and in the micro cap end of the market. And these guys, that's their job. Yep. I mean, and it seems to be a good job at it. I mean, yep. probably better than you and I will do. Yep, I know. So from, from that angle, I think it's, it's a yes. Okay, all right. Uh, good suggestion, Lachlan, to, um, for us to have a look at that one. Just a recap on our final five stocks. Respiria, no. Uh, Electro Optic, a no. IntelliHR, a no from uh, from Rudy. A yes from Claude if it can, he can get it at seven and a half cents. Um, that could be wishful thinking. Uh, Aluka Resources, uh, a no from uh, Claude because it's not really his uh, his wheelhouse. Uh, a yes from Rudy, but based on its iron ore um, dividends it's getting from BHP rather than its mineral sands production. Um, and with Wham uh, Microcap, uh, a yes from Rudy because it, it's a it's a really high risk end of the market. So if you're interested, leave it to experts. Um, and for Claude, it's a no, but a great place to go and steal ideas on what what they've got in their portfolio. I love the honesty, but it's a great suggestion to do it. Learning Absolutely. from the experts. That's what we've all got to do um, as we continue investing. Um, a great um, uh, episode of the call as usual they never let us down Rudy Philip Van Dyke from FN Arena go to the uh, go to the site for the very latest on investment coverage and markets and the whole lot 
It really is. Reporting season. We do a lot of stuff in the reporting season. Yeah, absolutely. And we're going to get deluged with the reporting season at the moment. (laughs) So go to FN Arena for all the analysis. And Claude Walker from A Rich Life. Uh, Good to see you, Claude. And you will have that uh, Phineos uh, sort of analysis up on the side in the next day or so. Yeah, I'll tweet it out when it's published. But uh, yeah, that'll be there for people that know where to look. Uh, very good marketing. I'll tweet it out. So now you've got to follow him on Twitter. I do, so you might as well uh, follow Rudy as well. All right. Uh, if you'd like to uh, uh, send us some suggestions on stocks to cover here on the call on your behalf, just email the call at osbiz.com.au or via Twitter using the handle osbiztv. Uh, just before we head to a very short break, uh, do you ever find yourself missing key parts of the day's trade? and market moving news. Well, whether it's because you went out to get a coffee, drop the kids at school, or you're on your commute here at Ausbiz, we don't want you to miss a beat. Get the latest from our team straight to your inbox side up for the COB, close of business, the stuff you need to know about the day in business finance and startups. You can sub- subscribe, osbiz.co uh, slash join, and we'll have it in your inbox at 5.30 Eastern um every weekday and um, um it really is a very good summary coming up of uh, of the day in business uh, that's it from me um look forward to your company midday tomorrow for another edition of the call um coming up the pulse <laughs>